Next on MLR Weekly, Utah Warriors head coach Greg Cooper. Major League Rugby's best recap. MLR news and headlines with Rugby Morning's John Fitzpatrick and Brian Ray of America's Rugby News with previews and predictions. Rugby wrap-ups MLR Weekly brought to you by Sheehy Auto Stores. It's easy at Sheehy. The Pig & Whistle, New York City. The world's best rugby pub. And Lean and Limber, stretching your way to a healthier lifestyle. Presented by Rugby Wrap-Up, Matt McCarthy in New York City. Thank you for joining us. Good to see you. We have a great show. We have none other than the head coach of the upstart Utah Warriors, Mr. Greg Cooper. We have Brian Ray of America's Rugby News with his uh, previews and predictions. We have a rousing recap. And we also have our recurring segment that starts it all off, Rugby Morning's Coffee Break with MLR News and Headlines via john fitzpatrick john good to see you welcome how are you Woo! round 10 came at us like a right cross whoa we'll, are you going pote on me we'll cover the donny brook in new york in just a moment but let's start down south in miami where mlr's newest team the miami sharks announced their first coach in franchise history jose coche pelicena who's the former Argentina men's U-20 national team head coach. He's going to be Miami's new coach. Matt, you better bone up on your tango because more Argentine flares come into MLR. So you're saying I have to dance with the coach? Does that mean I have to dance with the other coaches in the league and do whatever dance is indicative of where they're from? Would you rather dance or fight? I'll go pote on somebody. Next! (laughs) Okay, let's talk about what happened. Uh, in New York. I'm sure everyone has seen the video circulated on social media, the brouhaha between Houston's head coach, Pote Human and New York's high-performance coach, Ollie Richardson. The league released a statement saying it's investigating the incident and will take necessary action. Matt, my question for you, should the necessary action include suspensions and or loss of table points? First of all, let's let's say this. Human is a human. Okay, that's number one. Number two, uh, Hanukkah Meyer was down there on the pitch. He's the director of rugby at the water break or the commercial break, whatever you want to call it. And what's he doing on the pitch? I don't think that's supposed to be, I don't think the coaches are supposed to be on the pitch, right? I don't know if that's a regulation. I think it is. So there's that. Uh, Other than that, uh, my intel tells me that uh, the parties involved had a beer with each other after the game, and I think that should be talked about as well. Next! Well, I agree 100%. Hey, let's move on to some player milestones. Two more players have reached the 50 MLR appearance mark. New York Lock Brad Tucker and Utah Warriors prop Paul Mullen. Mullen has the Aaron Islands doing cartwheels. First 50th cap player from the Aaron Islands. If you don't know where that is, Google it. And Brad Tucker in that long line of Tuckers that play rugby, kudos to him. He's an animal, both well-deserved. They're not on the wing. Good for them. Next. The Chicago Hounds, Matt, get this. They went to Ireland to bring home a native son. 
They signed hooker Stephanie Lombard, who was born in Tonga, raised in Hawaii, and moved to Ireland and played in the All-Ireland League Division 1B. Well, he's coming to MLR, and I'm excited to see him in a few weeks. He's going to rampage on a lot of people. Well, I mean, it's the old story. You got you got a Tongan that grew up in Hawaii. You let him you, you you let him play in Ireland for a cup of coffee, and you bring him back to Chicago. That happens every day of the week. Next, in case you've been living underneath the rock and you somehow missed this news, the 2022 MLR Player of the Year, New England Free Jacks fly half Bodine Waka, set to return to New England in just a few weeks once the Japan Rugby League One season wraps up. Matt. It seems like the top team in the Eastern Conference is just retooling for a run at their first MLR Shield. It's not fair, right? Well, I'll say this. Uh, he hasn't played a lot for Kobe in Japan. And the match that I think he played in, they lost to the Kintetsu Liners for the Liners' first win of the season. So he might be really happy to get back to New England. And my other follow-up point would be, how many points would... New England have scored against Toronto with Bodine Walker in that lineup that day when they scored 80 points. What else you got for us, John? Hey, Matt, that's all I got. Don't you ever say that's all because those are nuggets. Those are gold, John. Thank you very, very much for your hard work and research and time. All right, thanks again to Mr. Fitzpatrick. Now it's time to look back before we look ahead. Indeed, up in Quincy, Massachusetts, Rugby ATL played a hard-nosed match, even worrying another excellent New England crowd. But the Free Jacks shook off what seems to be a weekly red card and even a yellow in a comeback win fueled by the magnificently steady Jason Patras and one hell of a back row. New England wins a good one over feisty Atlanta, 23 to 13. The Utah Warriors were on the rampage in the nation's capital, hoping to poke holes in old glory. But nobody told Penny Lasanga, who scored a try, but also made 15 tackles. That ain't a misprint, it's on the teleprompter, and he's a back. Furthermore, yeah, furthermore, two of his teammates Fatanana Schultz and Lauto Bavero also had 15 tackles apiece as Old Glory won a wild one that catapulted them into second place in the East. Meanwhile, Utah had their winning streak snapped, but they did pick up a pivotal bonus point for scoring four tries. Final score, 36-22 in a fun match for the fans. Down in Dallas, the Jackals threw everything but the kitchen sink at the San Diego Legion, and it almost paid off. In an exciting rugby match, the home team gave the league leaders all they could handle. Getting three yellow cards did not help the Dallas cause, however, despite the Legion getting 15 penalties of their own. Each team scored six tries in a wild match as the Jackals continue to prove that they belong. Final score, 47-38. New Orleans, the goal, did their part to make certain that the Eastern Conference is going to come down to the final day and the precious point differentials and tiebreakers. 
In a statistically even match, Chicago once again found themselves on the short end despite showing glimpses of what they can potentially do. Nola got the bonus point win, however, 37-24. On the border of the boogie down Bronx in New York City, the New York Iron Workers were missing many rivets hosting the ferocious felines of Houston. The visitors scored a bunch early and looked to be on their way to a rout, but the New Yorkers showed their steal and made a game of it. The Sabercats clawed and slapped their way to a tighter than expected win, 34-27, that saw both teams get the maximum critical bonus points. Up in the Pacific Northwest at Starfire Stadium, nothing was happening. That's because the Seawolves were in Toronto. Seattle did look a little lost, though, because it took them 40 minutes to adapt from the waters of the Puget Sound and Pacific to those of Lake Ontario. And it was the Arrows that led at the half. But Rickert Haddings, two tries. And 11 points from A.J. Alatimu offset a great day by Ross Brody as Seattle comes back for a big victory. Final score, 36-27 on a weekend that saw a ton of points scored. Whew. Okay, I need a break, you need a break, and the sponsors need a break. Let's take a break. city and want to watch some great rugby have some great food and some great times go to the world's best rugby pub the pig and whistle on west 36th street this is the rugby odds where an unlikely pundit panel of a wordsmith a wwe legend a rugby star and a supermodel scour the globe seeking best bets and bad behavior are you not entertained? And we are back, and we have the pleasure of welcoming in Utah Warriors head coach, Mr. Greg Cooper. Greg, thanks for coming on. My pleasure, Matt. All right, so, Coach topsy-turvy season so far. But before we get to that, I just want to bring folks up to speed on your resume, which is rather impressive. Uh, you've been around the block and back in terms of professional rugby across the globe, really. Uh, your last stop, I believe, before coming to Utah was in Japan mm. in that very cool league that a lot of people are just starting to find out about, but players know very well about it. Yeah. Uh, and you're with the Mitsubishi Dynabores? 
Yeah, that's right. Mitsubishi Dynamo is uh, Tokyo. Uh, well, Kanagawa, you know, the prefecture of Kanagawa, the greater Tokyo. All right. And they have the two divisions there. They have the division one and the division two. So they have promotion relegation. And if I'm not mistaken, you guys were in division two and you won the replacement battle to get them up for the first time in 12 years into the top division. Is that right? Yeah, uh, interesting, Matt. We we when I first arrived there, they hadn't been there for twelve years in the Div One. Uh, we went up that year, which was great. Then they changed the competition, and they well, sorry, there was COVID, and then they changed the competition. So we had a little bit of a dabble in top league, uh, and then they uh, then so there's sixteen teams in it. Then they changed it to twelve, and we right. had, we were thirteenth. So we unfortunately went back down again. Uh, even though we were in the original top league. Uh, and then my last year, we had to do it all over again. So we had a home and away, and we had to go back again. So sort of had two doubles going from second to, uh, second to first. So you were also in France with Stade Francais, right? I mean, that's all. these are all very good stops. You were also, of course, coaching in New Zealand, where you're from. Uh, you played with the All Blacks. You played... But you, but I'm looking at your coaching resume. I'm like, kind of down on the list. It says head coach for the Highlanders. That's no small job. Yeah, I, I had, uh, I came in there, Matt, pretty, really green actually. I'd been doing television and and business. I'd been uh, working in management and business and and doing television. And I think they looked at me and said, uh, you know, because I've been an analyst, and they looked at me and said, oh, this guy's got a rugby background. He's doing management. It'll be a good connect, a good combination. He'd be a good coach. Well, they were they were certainly wrong to start with. I thought it was pretty average to start with, and I'm, I think I'm growing. Um, so I did that with the Highlanders, and I had actually had a season with the Blues as well. And and then um, my daughter was unwell, and it was a bit strange. I was living in Auckland, and my daughter was unwell, living in Dunedin. And as this may seem strange, but I took up a consultancy contract with NEC in Tokyo, um, and the reason for that was it meant only 120 days. Uh, away from my daughter, uh, when uh, you know, even though I'm in Japan, it was closer to be. Uh, it was easier to be in Japan and be a consultant than be in Auckland and be fully, you know, fully yeah. away. So oh, that's, that's, what I did. that's what I did. You then came over here. So how did that transpire? Well, I'd I'd actually had a lot of time, a lot of time away and other competitions. I had seven seasons as consultant as an advisor, as a head coach for NEC in the in the top league. Then I went to France for a couple of years, and then I had the four years with Mitsubishi. Um, and it, it got to the point with Mitsubishi that I felt as though if I could leave on a really good note, and the note was to leave, taking them to uh, the first division, I thought I needed another challenge. And I, and I saw this as the perfect opportunity. I actually saw the Utah Warriors as the perfect opportunity. I, you know, there was a, a little bit of a bit of success in 2021, but you know, a little bit of disappointment last year. Um, and, and I thought, you know, with the skill set that I think I've developed over the years, it'd be a good opportunity to come, come here. And, and and obviously, Matt, the MLR is a growing competition. And the other news of the 2031 Men's World Cup, 2033 Women's World Cup, you know, that has to be good for the promotion and development of the game. So oh, I just thought the, the opportunity and the timing was perfect. So let's go to the Warriors now. Uh you, I can't figure you guys. I mean, it must be driving you bonkers. I can't either. I can't. Either. I, I can't right? either. That's what I mean. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, I, you, 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 nobody's like us supposed experts will say, oh, there's no way they're going to win that one. And you win that one. And then we'll, we'll say, well, then they're going to definitely win this one. And then maybe you don't. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a great season so far. I mean, wins and losses, you're, 
You're in the tough division, though. You'd be in second place if you were in the East, right? We, we um, I think, Matt, you're right. We've been in too inconsistent. Now, I think we had a basically a stellar one month. Uh, and, uh, you know, even Toronto, we started off really poorly against Toronto. And then we played some rugby that I don't think at training we can do that. It just everything stuck, you know, the last 20, 30 minutes. Um, and then, you know, a very good performance against New England. We copped a few injuries around halftime. We slowed down, I think, because of that. But we still had a very good performance. And then we went to Houston, well in control of that, copped the late sin bin, a couple of, you know, another injuries. And we just sort of, we, we, we slowed, but we still had a very good performance. And we did the same to Seattle. So um, the last, last week's performance, and look, I don't want to take anything away from uh, Old Glory. They played well. Um, but we were off the mark. We, we, you know, I could see it in our boys. We, we talked about, you know, we didn't underestimate uh, Old Glory at all, um, but we were off the mark. I think if we'd started well, it could have been a different story, but we focused early in the week and, and making sure that, uh, you know, we were ruthless in our approach, both physically and mentally. And we just weren't there. So disappointing um but like you say we're still in the hunt and we're playing uh, we've got a number of home games which we've been strong at home and we're playing uh, obviously teams that are in our division so uh, i think the our destiny is in our hands but there's a lot of hard work and you're also dealing with factors that maybe you're not used to dealing with overseas in different setups because you have this vast country, geographically speaking, with completely different climates and different time zones. You're up in the mountains, you're up in the elevation, and then you go down to you know sea level in D.C. and the travel, and that's got to take its toll too. Uh, yes, but I'm saying that there is a positive in that. I've spoken to a number of athletes here, and I've spent a lot of time traveling to Pretoria, Johannesburg, Bloemfontein, where you know, there's altitude. We technically should have reasonably good lung capacity because we train at altitude all the time. So going down, you know, talking to athletes, yeah, we, we, whilst we're not at the 9,000 optimum training, you know, we're still at about 5,000. So our lungs should be okay. Uh, of course, we've had a really cold winter. So anything at the moment, any heat, is going to be a bit of a factor for us. But looking at the forecast going forward, it's starting to warm up. So yes, it won't be humid, but we are going to be training in heat and altitude. So hopefully some of those issues and look you can look for excuses i'm a coach that doesn't want to look for excuses um we are good enough to have beaten old glory we didn't beat old glory so um you know a few issues there but we 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 definitely we've got our uh, we got our, our pluses and we got our minuses but as i said we're still in the hunt and this is not a sprint it is a marathon and there's the war of attrition that can take place on any given team at any given point i mean you're looking at Certain teams like Toronto, for instance, and New York, you know, they're battling injuries, but everybody has these injuries and, and you have to kind of manage this over the course of the year. How does that affect your your selections and do you do you pinpoint games that maybe you say, okay, I can give so and so a break or how does no, it look I I've never been one to look at home well, sorry, home advantage for us here is a factor. You know, we are at altitude, so it is a factor. We have a phenomenal crowd. And there's a great community here. So we, I think we have a, uh, there's a there's a real bonus for us to be playing at home. When we go away, I try not to look at any reasons as to say, this is an away game. We just have to adjust. 
Do we have a captain's run on away games with a long flight? No, we don't, because that's just putting on the gear. You know, we, we basically finish our work on a Thursday. So, but yes, you do have to rotate players. We can't have the same players yeah. rolling out, but it can't be a rotation on mass because you know, I don't think that's quite the right thing. So you put players in. And you have some serious firepower in that back line. It's an exciting team to watch. Did you expect that? Or, or did this just happen organically? You know, I, I think, you know, man, I did a little bit of work, obviously understood them, but, but I think, you know, there is a real hunger to, to use that ball. Um, I think the balance is, you know, as I said, we've had, we've had opposition on the rack, you know, like defended tremendously well and had them on the rack and scored some great tries and then we've just, you know, eased up. So this is the development for the Utah Warriors. I think we've been, I think we've improved, but we've still got an improvement on, in that sense. You know, when you've got your foot on the pedal and saying that we've had ridiculous amounts of yellow cards um, and yet we're the least penalised team in the competition. It's just right. it's quite bizarre, really. Let me ask you this. How would the Dinobores and the Warriors, how would that match up? I think it could be one of those games here. They might tip us in Tokyo, but we might tip them here. Because I had the chairman and the CEO of Japan's Rugby League One right. on the show, and they're keen on having some kind of, you know, maybe postseason competition with the MLR. That, that would be tremendous. And I think the more we can do that, uh, you know, the, the, the better it is for world rugby, Clearly better it is for American rugby. All right. Well, thank you, Mr. Greg Cooper, coach of the Utah Warriors. We'll be right back after this. And we are back, and we're back with Mr. Brian Ray, who's who's soldiering on and doing these shows, despite the fact that his Toronto Arrows are absolutely killing him. All right, so just briefly, a couple of takeaways from the last round. Well, it was a little slappy, wouldn't you say? Maybe slappy. a little slapstick humor going on. I've had philosophical conversations with people about whether that should be shown on television or not, and I, I categorically have to say that I think it should be shown. You know, it's part of creating a buzz. We're trying to penetrate a market. This is what people are talking about. Let's, let's talk about what's ahead of us now. We've got only four matches in the upcoming round, right? And the first one up between Seattle and Dallas. We can't just discount Dallas anymore. I mean, we just saw them play against uh, San Diego. Granted, maybe not a full strength San Diego side, but it doesn't matter when you throw up those almost 40 points against any San Diego side. You're doing something well. Um, yeah, I think you got to go with the Seals because they are the better team at this stage. But I think this is one where Dallas can continue to, to kind of squeeze teams and really test them and, and, and push them into the final quarter. Quincy, Massachusetts, the Free Jacks hosting the banged-up Ironworks. I am hearing that uh, this is going to be a sellout game. Uh, this past weekend was packed to the, just about at Fort Quincy. And this one, it sounds like, will be standing room only. You can't just count out uh, New York even with their injuries either. Um, now, that said, this is a New England team that is flying right now. Uh, just they are the talk of the Eastern Conference, absolutely. And I fully expect them to come through this one uh, with a victory. Then you've got Nola Gold hosting your Toronto Arrows. Uh, yeah, I mean, Toronto showed a little bit of improvement. Now they got to go back out on the road after that nice little stretch at home against the Nola side that's, you know, still a little bit weird. Uh, you know, they really blew it out of the park in that first half against 
Chicago, and they just kind of stuck it on cruise control and coasted the rest of the way in. But they got the victory they needed. They got that bonus point. I certainly hope my arrows can make a little bit uh, more of a contest out of this one. I think uh, Nola, though, have got uh, a little bit of confidence back from that game in Chicago. I've got to go with the gold. San Diego, this is the big one. San Diego hosting the Houston Sabercats, who have to be tuckered out. Uh, certainly, if San Diego wins, they'll be at the top of the Western Conference. But if Houston can deny uh, San Diego a bonus point and come out with this with five points somehow, uh, they would be at the top of the Western Conference. So it is a huge match. Uh, it's a fascinating clash, just like it was in Houston earlier this year. Uh, Got to go San Diego at home. I think San Diego, but I don't have as much consternation as, as you do in, in picking them because they, they had less travel. They... Uh, didn't have to go to New York and play, you know, against the New York team that played punched above their weight. Um, they're going home, home cooking. Houston's now on the road two consecutive weeks, and we don't know the status of their coaching staff. How would you, what would you levy as a fine or a suspension for either Meyer, Uman, or both? Right, it's uh, you know obviously you can't allow that that kind of thing to go unpunished, uh, so. You have to think they're going to put, you know, kind of slap them with, uh, you know, some kind of example setting sanction here. The default seems to be three games. I wouldn't be surprised to see both of them suspended for three games. But I, I also wouldn't be surprised if it was a little more like five weeks kind of thing to be a really strong deterrent uh, against, you know, seeing that kind of behavior again. So uh, it's but, not but then to say how do you enforce that. I, I mean, well, the guy's not going question. to be at training, or is he just? No, not I, I don't think I don't think he could do that. I think they're just going to be banned from game day, being around the team on game day. So, you know, maybe not as uh, dramatic as not having a player available, but still, uh, you know, it does kind of say that you can't be having that kind of tomfoolery between coaches uh, during a match. But but that's a that's a good it's question. An earpiece. Good question. Somebody's got an earpiece and they're listening to the co you know, uh, you know, what are you, what are you? What are you, it, it I guess ain't tennis, can... folks. It ain't tennis. <laughs> can't fire them. <laughs> you can't fire them. Uh, but are they supposed to be on the pitch? Well, maybe that's something to look at as well. You know, uh, are they going? Will they allow coaches going forward to, you know, to, to be on the pitch? But I mean, somebody's got to be out there, Gary and Water or whatever. Are they going to going to say only players can do that? Are they, you know, uh, it's a tough call. I don't really know how they're going to. Uh, you know, deal with that, but obviously that'll be part of the conversation. He would have. So to you're play. really, you're really bad at this job. I thought you were going to have this iron. I thought you had. Oh well, give him three games, give him two games, and then both of them get fined uh, forty dollars. I was thinking just paper, rock, scissors, and let's just move on with life. Upside down, chug. <laughs> get it done. Get it done. <laughs> and apparently they had a beer with each other after the match, so it was, you know, all good. All right. Any final thoughts for us, Brian? Who's going to make the playoffs out of the East? That is a tough call at the moment. Um, man, well, I, 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 you know, I'm still leaning towards New York because they just have big game experience. Uh, and then you've got to pick one of DC or ATL. At the moment, DC seem to be kind of the better side and have a little bit more more tools maybe at their disposal. Um, you know, some playing really with a little confidence. Yeah, they got a little bit of swagger to them, so. Uh, we're just going to have to see how the next couple weeks shakes out, but really interesting. ATL does not want to you know, fall behind at all in that race because you can very quickly just you know see it slip away. So uh, it's it's really tight. It's uh, interesting to watch, and 
I don't like having to make predictions right now, but we'll go with Old Glory, I think. So New York and Old Glory, that's what I'm going to say right now, and I'll probably be wrong. You know, that was a, a huge game, that NOLA-Atlanta game. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely was, uh, you know, and, and those those interconference games, you know, from here on out, it was almost double points, right? So, uh, yeah, really, it's really going to make things interesting as we head into the playoff stretch. All right, thank you to Mr. Brian Ray of America's Rugby News. And oh, we, we are just getting this in, as Brian has just left, unfortunately. We're just getting in the news that the suspensions have been handed down. Uh, Houston head coach uh, Pote Uman and strength and conditioning coach of New York, Ali Richardson, each receive a six-game suspension. I'm sure there'll be uh, appeals to that, but right now that's six games. And on that note, we are out of time. I want to thank again Mr. Brian Ray of America's Rugby News, Mr. John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning's Coffee Break, Coach Greg Cooper of the Utah Warriors, and thank you for tuning in. Please check out our other shows, including The Rugby Odds, The College Rugby Wrap-Up. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Make sure you tell your friends. Uh, sign up for our weekly newsletter, and please, please, please join our American Red Cross blood donor team. <laughs>